Welcome into Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having good Wednesdays wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. And we begin with what I would call maybe the most consequential Senate debate that I have seen in my life. And certainly the worst performance that I have ever seen put forward by a statewide candidate in a debate in my life. And that, of course, I'm talking about John Fetterman versus Dr. Oz last night in Pennsylvania. I watched it happen live. My jaw dropped after the first five minutes. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. From the moment he opened his mouth, John Fetterman made it clear that he does not have the ability to be a senator in the United States right now. Now, look, I hope John Fetterman gets well. I hope he recovers from his illness, uh, from his stroke. If in six years he can run for the Senate again, good for him. But right now, what we witnessed was one of the most shameful cover-ups in American political history. Because remember... John Fetterman had this stroke on the Friday before the Democrat primary. They, he nearly died. He and his staff hid everything from Democrat primary voters, allowed him to win the primary, when let's be honest, Democrats should be mad about this too because if people had known about this health status, they, well, they very well may not have voted for him. And the Democrats could have put forward a better candidate. But Dr. Oz uh, and John Fetterman are on the stage. But then they hide Fetterman for months, refuse to release full medical records. They still haven't done it. Only allow one debate to occur. Wait to allow that debate to occur until people have already started sending in their votes. And then Fetterman had the worst debate in political history, at least that I've seen. Five minutes in, if you had to turn this into a boxing match, they would have thrown in the white towel and not allowed it to continue. Honest Democrats are acknowledging that this was a debacle. Dishonest Democrats and their cohorts in the media are immediately saying, well, how in the world could you attack him? He had it. Look, I wish he hadn't had a stroke, Okay. I've been saying for a long time Dr. Oz is wrong, sorry, right on all the issues, and John Fetterman is wrong on all the issues, even notwithstanding the health-related concerns. But talking is a big deal when you're a United States senator. If I couldn't talk, I couldn't do my job. That wouldn't be my employer on radio being unfair to me. Talking is my job. If I suddenly couldn't put thoughts together... If I couldn't string words and sentences together in a coherent fashion, then I would get fired. I wouldn't be able to do my job. Take it outside of speaking. If you were picking a relay team and one of your relay team members had a broken leg, it wouldn't be ableist of you to say, hey, guy with the broken leg, we're going to go with somebody without a broken leg because they can actually do the job. John Fetterman is not physically able to do this job. And his wife should be ashamed for covering for him. 
The entire Pennsylvania Democrat Party should be ashamed. They had months to put in a new candidate. They had months to find someone else to fill this role. And instead, they trotted him out there, and it was a massacre. I felt bad for him. And it was so disqualifying that you guys know I like to follow the gambling odds. The minute that this story came out, the minute that this debate started, money started to pour in on Dr. Oz. And Dr. Oz is now, as we are speaking, a massive favorite in the gambling markets because of the extreme dishonesty. The bar was low for John Fetterman. If he had just been mediocre, it would have been acceptable. Right now, it was nearly a dead heat in the Pennsylvania Senate race. The way that you bet on predict it, uh, you get a dollar if you're right. So the, the, the warrants basically sell for different amounts. Right now, Dr. Oz is 68 cents on that dollar. It's the highest he's ever been in this race. And the money continues to pour in. All you have to do is go look at the last 24 hours and it has been everybody selling on their Dr. Oz stock. Sorry, buying on Dr. Oz, selling on Fetterman. It's just a disgrace. And Democrats have only themselves to blame. And if you are in the media, remember when Giselle Fetterman, the wife of John Fetterman, came out and demanded an apology from an NBC News uh, reporter who said that John Fetterman wasn't able to carry on a conversation with her? And then all these blue check journos hopped in line and joined her and said, oh yeah, he's doing great, he's fine. You can never trust any of these people again. And it's one thing if you're an activist and you just want to admit, hey, I'm in the tank for Democrats. I'm going to spin whatever direction they need me to spin. I'm not pretending that I'm an unbiased journalist. But a lot of these people who've been carrying water for Fetterman try to claim that they are unbiased journalists. They are liars. And that debate blew up in their face and proved how much of liars there were. And look, the New York Times, the Philadelphia Inquirer, lots of these places out there still tried to cover up what happened in this debate. I would just encourage you to go watch the whole thing for yourself. If you are out there and you are like, hey, I don't trust anybody else to give me their perceptions of what happened in that debate. I want to see it for myself. I don't want to watch minute-long clips. I don't want to watch 30-second clips. I totally understand. I like to form my own opinions by watching things myself. Go watch it. Go on YouTube, type in Fetterman-Oz debate, sit and watch the entire hour, just like I did. And if you come away with any opinion other than, my goodness, that is the worst debate performance I have ever seen from anyone in my life. I got to be honest with you. I think you are hyper-partisan. I think you're not being honest. And that is why uh, I think watching these debates can be so important. It's also why I think Democrats had such an awful night. Uh, They had an awful night in New York. They had an awful night in Michigan. They had an awful night in Colorado. Why did that happen? Why did Democrats all pretty much the same time all have disastrous results? I think it's because they don't get questioned aggressively. I think it's because they know the media is in the tank for them and they aren't used to having to stand and answer difficult questions and they aren't used to being held accountable for what they've said in the past and having to reconcile what they may have said in the past with what they're saying 
in the future uh, and in the present. And so that, to me, was emblematic of what happened all over the country last night. I mean, you saw in New York, Lee Zeldin absolutely eviscerated Kathy Hochul. I mean, that was not a close competition. And I don't know if Lee Zeldin's going to be able to win in New York, but the fact that we are talking as we sit here 13 days from the midterms about the possibility that Lee Zeldin is maybe going to win the governor's race in New York is a sign of how desperate Democrats are right now. And how about the wicked witch of the Midwest, Gretchen Whitmer, in the debate last night saying that she only kept kids out of school for three months when I know Michigan pretty well, my wife's family's all from there, when there were kids still out of school in Michigan this year. 2022, there were still kids not in school. Three months, my ass, Gretchen Whitmer. And how about out in Colorado, Heidi Grinnell got called a mad mom by the guy she's running against because she's still furious over COVID and the fact that her kids were locked out of schools and so were so many kids all over the country. I think calling someone a mad mom is not a good spot to be in because there are a lot of mad moms and a lot of them are independent voters and they are overwhelmingly coming down on the side of Republicans. We'll be right back in a moment, but first, this break. Now, one of the real clues you can have for how a race is going 13 days out is where is the money being spent? And overwhelmingly, Democrats are defending blue, often deep blue states. They're spending more money in New York. They're spending more money in Oregon. They're pouring money into states where Washington, theoretically, their Senate candidates should never be in danger. But people like Tiffany Smiley in Washington, uh, people like uh, uh, Tudor Dixon in Michigan, there is just Christine Drazen in Oregon, a massive amount of momentum behind all of these Republican candidates. And I've been saying for a while, I'm going to stick with my number. I think that the over-under for Republican pickups in the House is 25 I think Republicans are going to comfortably take the House. I'll continue to update you every day based on the numbers. I think Republicans are going to comfortably take the House, gain around 25 seats. And I also think that Republicans are going to pick up three seats in the Senate. I think they're going to win Arizona, Nevada, and I also think they are going to win Georgia. Oz is going to win in Pennsylvania. I think the debate last night ended any doubt. He was already winning before that debate. I think it just eliminated any uncertainty about that. Um, And if you doubt me, you can go look at the uh, current ratings, current odds of all of these different U.S. elections right now. And like I said, Dr. Oz is now the biggest favorite that he's ever been over Fetterman. He is approaching 70% in this marketplace, meaning he is a big, big favorite. Uh, Republicans are now a big favorite to control the Senate. Um, And let's see, I'm looking right now literally live. Blake Masters is right now the favorite to win the Arizona Senate race. Uh, Herschel Walker is the favorite to win the Georgia Senate race. Both of those are going to be very tight. Uh, The New Hampshire Senate race is getting closer, by the way. 
uh, along with Colorado and also Washington. Um, huge favorite for Kevin McCarthy to be speaker over Nancy Pelosi. Lots of money rolling in in many different governor's races out there. Nevada Senate, um, we've got a big favorite for Adam Laxalt right now as all of these numbers continue to roll in. Again, if I were betting right now, I would go on 53 Senate seats, Republicans take control of the Senate, and 25 I would make the number in the House. Uh, And this is 13 days out, continuing to become more and more of a red wave landscape. Uh, Other good news, Elon Musk is just posted a video of him walking into Twitter. It appears that Elon Musk is right there in the position to buy Twitter. The stock price of Twitter is right now $53.50, basically at the purchase price of $54.20. So that process is officially underway as uh, many people out there come to grips. I cannot wait to watch the blue check meltdown when Elon Musk officially announces that he has bought bought Twitter. But like I said, he just posted a video right before I sat down and started speaking of himself walking into Twitter. Uh, And so this is going to be, I believe, a transformative moment in terms of discourse that is going to be able to take place in social media. I think you are going to see very quickly how rigged the game has been in favor of far left-wing opinions. And I believe all of that is going to come crumbling down in the very near future. And it's going to be very hard uh, to defend any of this at all. So I have got my college football gambling picks as well. We will be, they asked me to tell you, we will be at the marina uh, for the, with the Vol Navy for the Tennessee-Kentucky game. It's the best game going on in the SEC this coming weekend. Two top 25 opponents. Uh, And so we will be set up there live with Big Noon. I think you guys will enjoy that experience. uh, And I hope to hang out with you down by Calhoun's on the river if you know uh, exactly where I am talking about hanging out. And I am going to continue to break out all of my gambling picks and fight through what has become a difficult, difficult situation in college football. We're down a little bit. Doing really well with the OutKick six-pack, by the way. So I hope you've also been betting our NFL picks. Uh, But here are my picks in order. I've got 11 of them for you. Uh, West Virginia plus seven and a half against TCU. I like the Mountaineers at home. They've been, as many college teams are, a very different team at home this year. I think they have a good chance to keep this one close. I've got West Virginia plus the seven and a half. I like Penn State. Ohio State, dominant team, number two in the nation right now. Hasn't really been challenged, the Buckeyes haven't, since week one against Notre Dame. I like Penn State to keep it close. It's going to be a wild environment in Happy Valley. Um, I like the fact that the last five of these games have been closer than uh, the 15-and-a-half margin. I just think that Ohio State is way overvalued here. I think that Penn State is undervalued. The last six games, sorry, have been decided by 13 points or less. I am hopping on board here. Georgia Tech plus the points. 
just a bet against Florida State. I don't believe that Florida State should be a 24.5-point favorite against any team in the ACC. I am taking Georgia Tech plus the points. Love Arkansas, minus 3.5 at Auburn. Arkansas's offense, way better than Auburn's. Uh, They've had a couple of weeks to get ready. I think that Auburn is awful, frankly. Uh, And I don't think they have the offensive firepower to keep up. I'm taking Arkansas, minus 3.5. Iowa, I keep betting on the Hawkeyes. Sooner or later, I'm going to get the Hawkeyes right. The numbers would have to line up here. I'm taking Iowa, minus 10.5. Oklahoma State, plus the points on the road against Kansas State. Not a lot of respect right now for um, for Oklahoma State in the gambling markets. I think they get it done. Uh, Florida, Georgia. I like Florida plus all these points. Um, biggest line that has existed in the cocktail party in modern history. 22 and a half for Florida. Both teams come off of a bye. This is a very pride-filled game. Originally, we were going to be at this game, uh, but then the, uh, the line got so out of control and Florida's already lost three games and so they aren't even ranked as a top 25 opponent anymore. But I like the Gators to cover this 22 and a half. I think that Georgia will win by double digits, but 22 and a half is just too many. I've had the good fortune to be at a bunch of cocktail parties. There's a lot of rivalry aspect there. And you know, in rivalry games, sometimes crazy things happen. Mizzou at South Carolina, I like the under. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz's team could only put up 17 points against Vanderbilt after two weeks to prepare. That does not spell well for this game against South Carolina. I think there's a good chance South Carolina is going to get the win here, uh, but I like the under 47 and a half. Kentucky at Tennessee. This is the game I'm going to be at. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I like here. I like, be honest with you, I like Tennessee to blow out Kentucky. 52-28. I don't think Kentucky's going to be able to stop Tennessee's offense. Uh, Tennessee's best part of their defense, which is not great, but their, uh, their play against the run has been very good all year. I don't think that Kentucky will be able to run the football. I think that Tennessee's defensive line will have a great deal of success against the Kentucky offensive line. And frankly, I just think Tennessee's going to score points. I don't think anybody can shut down this Tennessee offense. Hendon Hooker's playing too well. Jalen Hyatt's playing too well. Uh, It's going to be a night game at Neyland. The crowd is going to be electric. They're breaking out black uniforms and black helmets, which I think is going to have, believe it or not, the team super psyched and hyped to go out and play. It's a primetime game. There have not been very many primetime games in Neyland in a while with this much at stake. I think that Tennessee is going to beat Kentucky and that is going to set up next week a number one versus number two matchup in Athens because if both Tennessee and Georgia win prediction, I think the playoff committee is going to have Tennessee one based on the quality and strength of their wins and I think they will have Georgia two and then probably Ohio State three. So I think if Tennessee and Georgia both win, it's going to be a one versus two matchup down in Athens. Uh, early preview, I think Georgia will win that game. I'm just not sold that Tennessee's ready to go on the road and win uh, and, and potentially go 12-0. and 0. Uh, But I think Tennessee gets the dub over Kentucky and covers it. Ole Miss, I like the minus two and a half. I think Ole Miss covers this number a little bit nervous just because there's so much uh, sturm, turmoil, tempest that's going on right now uh, surrounding Texas A&M. And I feel like sometimes it's a circle the wagons effect. 
But I just like Lane Kiffin and his ability to get his team ready to get this win and set up one of the biggest games in Ole Miss history, which would be Alabama coming to Ole Miss uh, next week, or sorry, two weeks from now. Uh, So I like Ole Miss to beat Texas A&M minus two and a half. And I also like Michigan to blow out Michigan State. Michigan has lost two in a row to Michigan State. Uh, I think they want to get back and dominate. So there are my 11 picks. I appreciate all of you. Uh, I will be speaking tonight, um, I believe, alongside of Ted Cruz and Andy Ogles uh, at the factory in, um, uh, in Franklin. Should be a fun night. Looking forward to seeing a lot of you there. Uh, As the red wave continues to grow, there must be a reckoning. There must be consequences for Democrats being wrong about everything associated with COVID. This is going to be, I believe, a huge red wave, and I'm looking forward to it 13 days from now. I am Clay Travis. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, I will see you guys tomorrow. This has been OutKick, the show.